following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember when home video was in its infancy? The perfect video store is popping up all over the country. Do you remember the experience of renting VHS tapes at a store? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Do you remember when you kept a video store membership card in your wallet? Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Hollywood Video. We get what you want. The warehouse is entertainment. Relive the days when dead media was alive and kicking. This is Rental Return. Tales from the Video Store. My name is Amanda Stefaniak, and I worked at Ossiana Sunshine in Bossier, Manitoba, Canada, which was owned by my parents, Mel and Susan Stefaniak, from 1982 to 2004. Hi, I'm Christian McGalliard, and I worked at Coco Video in China Grove, North Carolina, from March of 1997 to January of 1998. And then later, I worked at Four Star Video in Granite Quarry, North Carolina, from February 2001 to December 2001. My name is Chris Tansky. I worked in the video department of a media play from 1995 to probably 2002, 2003. My name is Gary Keffer. I worked at the Blockbuster Video in Chesapeake, Virginia in the early 90s. I worked there uh, after graduating from high school in 93 and worked there for about uh, two and a half, almost three years. My name is John Paul Cupertino and I used to work for a place in Milwaukee called Bucky's Super Video around 1998. And shortly after that, I worked for a very brief stint at a Blockbuster in Milwaukee. Hey, my name is Preston Burt, and in 2000 through 2002, I worked at Blockbuster Video in Oxford, Mississippi. Hi, my name is Zach Shipley. I worked at uh, Blockbuster Franchise 290237 in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in, gosh, like 1998 to 2000, somewhere around there. Episode 6, Pushing Stop. Talk to me a little bit about then the last days of four star video. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and and it's amazing when you wanted to talk about this that this was such a, a good point in my life. How much stuff I actually remember. That's why I was like, wow, somebody wants to. So, you know, I very rarely, unless someone was going to call in or something, I didn't get contacted a lot uh, when I wasn't at work, unless it was Joe wanting a movie. And at the time, I was working Monday through Friday. I was working like seven hour shifts like I was working roughly 35 hours a week and I wasn't old enough yet to worry about hey I don't have insurance you know like stuff like that was in the the background too I'm working in a video store so I get home one night I think I was at the mall or something I get home it's like eight o'clock and my brother's like hey the video store called and they want you to come by so I call up there and Judy answers and she's like you need to come to the store you need to come to the store she won't elaborate and you know, Judy, Judy and Dominique both, they were very nice, but it, I'm not going to say like there wasn't a language barrier, like in a way that they couldn't be running a business. It wasn't like that. But there were certain things sometimes could get lost because when I went in there, Dominique's like if you watch like uh, Boogie Nights with Rayhead Jackson running around on coke. I mean, Dominique was just wound up and angry and like yelling. Everything he said was yelling and so I go in there and I look at the schedule because I go back to talk to Judy and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And I look at the schedule and my name is marked out Monday through Friday for the rest of the month. 
And I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, someone stole money. We think it was either you or, you know, the other girl that worked that day. And I'm like, you know, you got to remember for me personally, and it's not their fault if they don't remember me when I'm 12. But for me personally, I'm I'm thinking like, like I've been trying to get this job since I was on a bicycle. Like so I, I, I was four years away from legally being able to get a job and I wanted to work here. To me, it was offensive because it's like, I'm not going to steal from, it's like stealing from church. I'm like, this is, you know, uh, I, I've really, I want to be here. And so Dominique's not helping because he's running around yelling and making accusations and saying I should be thrown in jail and this and that. And Judy's trying to calm him down, but she's like, yeah, we don't know if it was you or not. And I'm like, well, what about the other two that work here? And she's like, no, this happened last night. So it would have been you or the other girl. And I'm like, no, we all have the same security code. Someone could have came in after the store was closed. And she's like, no, it would have been you or the other. I mean, I could not for the life of me get them to understand that just check the security records see if anyone even though it's all the same code see if anyone came in like at 1 a.m and cleaned the place out like and because then you have to fire all four of us so even if i'm going to get fired the idea that they're firing two people and not firing two people even though all four of us had the same access to the same stuff was really frustrating so i'm kind of stunned and depressed and I go home because I'm like, again, I'm, I'm like 19. Like, I, you know, the world's still, it's kind of big, but not super big. So this is like, this was like my whole like thing. And I'm just like crushed. And so I try to give it a few days. And as I'm giving it a few days, like a cop comes by my house and he's interviewing me and he's asking me all these questions. And he's telling me that even though there's two suspects, they seem to think it's me. And so I give it a few days and I go in to talk to Dominique and try to, hey, you know, like, do you remember me from, a long time ago and do you not realize anybody could have come in at night and even going in then he was being nice to customers and when he would turn his attention to me it was it was like you flip a switch and this guy's hostile and he's mad and he's yelling and he's not listening and eventually uh judy contacts me um hey the other girl that works here noticed so and so bought a bunch of new clothes we brought her in and started talking to her and she finally cracked and admitted to it and the girl who also got fired, who was working at night through the week, her mom, who was retired, had come in and taken my Monday through Friday shift just to have something to do. So I even came in after my name was cleared and they were going to put me on Saturday. I came in and was like, hey, you know, this was my my job. I was working almost full time. And even she wouldn't budge or move out of the way or allow me to, you know, for whatever reason, Judy and Dominique wouldn't make the decision to go, hey, this person's been cleared. We should give them their job back. It was the best I was getting was one day. So I worked two Saturdays and it was it was bittersweet and, and pretty depressing because, uh, you know, I, I probably took that job a lot more seriously than I should have in terms of like, I was proud of it. I mean, my first job when I was 16 was Kmart and I didn't walk in there making fun of Kmart and being ashamed. I went in doing the job they were paying me $4 an hour to do because I didn't know any better. That's just how I was raised that, you know, I, I, even to this day, I have friends sometimes that they work somewhere and all they do is trash their job. And I'm like, yeah, but aren't they paying you? Like you're, you're getting paid though. You're not going in there and just hanging around. They're, paying you to do something if the money's good enough is the place good enough you know but but that's kind of what happened is i came home got called in and i i tried i went up there to talk to dominique i went up there to talk to judy separately from him um and could never 
never get past that barrier of even just getting them to go, oh, you know, you're right. It could have been any of the four of you. We should fire all four of you. It, it couldn't even get it that far. Not that I wanted Billy or the other girl to um, lose their job. It wasn't about that. When did you start noticing the video stores closing in your area? What was the, the feeling around that to you? Melancholy, because uh, I would notice because you would start seeing places and this is what would kill me. And I'm, I'm going to take a shot at Dominic real quick. <laughs> he would pull movies off the shelf to make room, take them somewhere to a basement or attic and just be done with them. So I'm like, oh, no, give me those VHS tapes, you know, like. I was like, don't, you know, because I used to ask him, I'm like, hey, if you're pulling movies off and taking them away, can, do, do you want to sell them? Can I buy them? Is there a way to get the movies? But watching, uh, watching video stores, when you started being able to go into Target and Walmart and all these places and all the movies you could rent are now available for 14 to $30 varying on where you went. That was what I started noticing, like, OK, well, how much longer are people going to want to rent? You know, because cause you go into a video store and you start seeing like in the corner a stack of VHSs for like a dollar each because they're making room for DVD. And yeah, I mean, it was it's one of those things where when I was younger and when I was like 19, like you know, because my friend had opened up a couple video stores and he eventually closed them and opened the comic store, which is still doing well in Salisbury. So he, he did some good stuff. But I didn't. Uh, I mean, it kind of sucked. I mean, it's, it's like watching a part of. I don't want to say like maybe a part of who you were die because I don't want it to sound that melodramatic, you know, but there there was a degree of something that meant a lot to you, something that, you know, because even with DVDs, like it's different than like you would put in something if people didn't do VHSs now or didn't experience them, you know, you always had like the coming attractions and you had different stuff that would pop up at the beginning of a VHS that a DVD menu is not going to show you. And watching video stores like VSI and all that. I mean, you could see the writing on the wall. Like I'd go into VSI and there would be like all their great VHSs they used to have crammed into a, a corner. Places would be selling stuff for cheap. And you're just like looking around. It. They're trying to rent DVDs, but most people at this point are starting to buy DVDs. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucked. I mean, it, you know, just watching that slowly it was like a slow bleeding out. It was like it's like uh, Tim Roth and Reservoir Dogs, and you're just kind of in a warehouse watching it bleed out and going like, "Gee, I wish I could have all those VHS tapes." As you mentioned earlier, the DVDs, you know, started becoming a thing. So what do you recall about the switchover from VHS to DVD? And did you guys ever stock Laserdisc? Oh yeah, we stocked Laserdisc. Those were pain in the ass uh, just because they took up so much space, but. Uh, it was funny how DVDs was just kind of like an end cap. And then by the end of my tenure, I mean, everywhere was DVDs. And then you had the one guy that would come in like every week looking for new DVDs. And it's like, no, it's just the same five DVDs. <laughs> like you can't, <laughs> there's nothing else. Like, and he always had to make sure it was like DTS and uh, fun fact, his, like that guy, his son eventually worked for me at the movie theater, <laughs> and I would tell him that your dad would come in all the time. We were excited because it was a new uh, medium, and it, the, you know, you were told all the bells and whistles how these were going to last forever, and and you could put the extra. I mean, you never got commentaries on VHS usually, if at all, and you you would see those things trickling on the laser disc. But this was like a whole new world where you were getting deleted scenes and bloopers and 
Easter eggs. You had to look for certain things. So it was definitely exciting at the time and you couldn't wait to upgrade your collection and you would get rid of your VHS tapes, which are now worth like hundreds of dollars now if you had kept them. <laughs> Just like records. Who knew that, that records would become in vogue again? What did you start noticing as you know the rental market shifted away and started losing popularity stores, losing business stores, closing? Did that process for you having worked in the industry that was interesting when we started seeing more and more closures um it was typically the smallest stores that had the most unique inventory would be the ones to close first and we saw a lot of stores that would clearance out their inventory for like a dime a movie and, and you know looking back now at all those films i could have had that just were never released really makes me sad but the most part we saw was the shift from blockbuster becoming the de facto rental place there was in some areas of, the, of milwaukee where i grew up there wasn't anything else they would just shut everything else down um nobody could compete especially once they got rid of late fees and that was of course well after i was there i saw that stores couldn't survive without having some gimmick or something else going a lot of stores went to trading card games and things like that to try and supplement that but they're a smaller store we had a couple of those in bayview Preston, why don't you tell us about your final days at Blockbuster and what became of, uh, of your position there? I moved on from Blockbuster following my graduation from college. So I moved and started a new job as a teacher in 2002. So Blockbuster was essentially the last, like, what I'd say, non-professional job I, I ever held. I, I only quit that because I was moving. And so it's funny how you look back at something and you had such nostalgia and fondness for it now, but back then I had been a little fed up with it. <laughs> and so when I invited everybody over after our, my last day of working at Blockbuster, it ended up being my going away party as well. And we sealed the deal and sent me off by dousing my work shirt in lighter fluid and lighting it aflame. And I think I still have a picture somewhere of me being illuminated by the burning flames of my Blockbuster shirt against the night sky. It's a, quite, a, quite a picture. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I stopped being a fan of, of watching movies. And Blockbuster, because they had squelched out most of the competition, other than like a family video or a Hollywood video, in my towns where I ended up, Blockbuster was still the predominant place to go. So. I continued shopping there regularly, and my oldest daughter still remembers, even though she was very little, that she got to go to Blockbuster Video and scan the aisles and look for Elmo's World tapes and things like that And um, before they eventually finally closed down here in our town as well. And I remember for the longest, it was so painful driving by the old Blockbuster because they had removed all the signs, but they had been up so long, so you would see this outline dirt impression of the giant torn ticket to just make you very 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 sad tell me about the end of your blockbuster journey and then moving into your your second phase of, of video store clerking so i got tired of uh of working there obviously and uh i had finished high school i worked there the summer and then like i was into the fall i did not go to school that following fall i didn't, I didn't go to college or anything like that at the time but I decided, like, I needed to do something else with my with my life. So I said, 
I, I put in my notice and I helped my dad paint his house. I, my, my dad lived in Baltimore, so like I, I left town for for a couple months. And eventually, I came back in the spring. I started taking classes at a community college, and then another video store was, was opening up down the street. And I applied there. Went like, okay, I already have experience grand opening a video store, so I already know <laughs> I already know how to <laughs> how to do all uh, do all this stuff. Even though it was like you know obviously a different store, different. But, but why not just go back to Blockbuster? Why go to the new one? Oh boy! Uh, so there was a sex scandal that happened, um, not involving me. Okay? <laughs> but you know, yeah, one of the assistant managers was sleeping with uh with with one of the other clerks, and uh, and like this is like right before the guy got married, and stuff like that. They they went to counseling. Oh, I'm not using names here, uh, obviously, but yeah, it was it was a real. It was, it was a it was a real show there, and I thought I like there's too much familiarity at the store in a way. Uh, everybody knows their business a little too much, and I I was like I I'm kind of tired of, of working here. And so I I also I was trying to become an assistant manager, and they did not want to promote me. You know, which in retrospect I realized it's just because I was uh I was like a screwy you know 18 year old, and like I didn't have any kind of like qualifications for it. But to me, it was just like well I've worked here for like a year and a half. I've outlasted everybody else. Shouldn't they just promote me instead of hiring somebody? And like the people I liked most had gone on. They'd like, they went off to college or got some other job or moved away or whatever. This is part of the curse of the, of the resort area is that there's, once you get to a certain age, unless you like, unless you're working in like some kind of industry or whatever, like there's nothing for you there, especially in like nine months out of the year when it's not beach time, it's, it's boring to, to live there. So that's one of the reasons why I, I'm, I moved away for, uh, for a few months. They came back that following summer, and, and yeah, I got a uh, got a job at I think it was called Video Warehouse. They were hiring, and they were hiring for an assistant manager. So I applied for the assistant manager, got right in. So I'm now a key holder. I'm I'm in charge of the shift. You know, I'm a pretty important guy. Uh, <laughs> and how, how would you say that differed working at Video Warehouse versus Blockbuster? Well, the DVD revolution had started. I will say that my blockbuster franchise owner guy was very resistant to order dvds i don't know whether it's because they cost more he didn't think people had players or whatever he thought it was I mean, going to be the laser disc all over again yeah well it's just also like 1999 most people don't have dvd players i know a lot of people who got their first dvd player was the playstation 2 playstation 2 didn't come out for another like a year and a half or two years and dvd players that were out were expensive they were three four five hundred bucks they were not cheap to, to get i bought a dvd player early on because, you know, again, I love movies and uh, I was probably ordering DVDs through our distributor at a rate higher than the than the store was um, uh, that that summer, the summer of 99. It was a bigger store, it was much bigger than, than the than the Blockbuster oh. and way more tapes on shelf. The prices were comparable. I don't even remember what the what, what the prices what prices were there, but they just leased a, like a much bigger location. And I think they. Uh, I think they were again. There's enough business for everything to go around. So I was I was pretty excited to do that. Video Warehouse didn't. Uh, I didn't work there super long, and it was still going strong when I left. But I've, it it didn't take off the same way that Blockbuster did. Blockbuster didn't close down. Gosh, until probably like five or six years later, well after I moved out of the area. So I don't I don't think I ever saw things slow down. I mostly just outgrew it because you know again you're living in a resort community, uh, making minimum wage and working until one a.m. just ain't fun. Even when I worked at the record store, the record store was at least like a block away from the beach, so I would get done there at ten o'clock and I could you know 
hang out with people. <laughs> yeah. Have you kept anything from over the years from that experience, or did it all go away and it's just in the ether, it's just memories now? Still got a name tag in uh, in one of my old boxes downstairs. I moved a couple months ago, and like I found a box from like when I was 19 or 20. It had, had a whole bunch of old stuff in it. And uh, so I still have my Blockbuster name tag. I still have a big yellow Blockbuster video popcorn bowl, and we still break it out and use it for movie nights at home, like even now. You know, here I am, I'm 40, I've got two kids, and it's like, so whenever we have a movie night, like I still use that big yellow Blockbuster video popcorn bowl. <laughs> That's awesome. I've, I've seen for, those. I've had That's for 22 awesome. years. <laughs> I should say, I still remember my card number. It's 290-237-00010. That is impressive. <laughs> so, so after I moved away, and I hadn't been a Blockbuster for like two years, I went to a Blockbuster store in Madison, Wisconsin. I went up to the counter, and I just gave the guy my card number, and he was able to look me up, and I was able to rent whatever the hell it was there to rent, 8 Mile or something. <laughs> So you had learned from all those people who didn't have their cards. You're like, I gotta yeah, get this memorized. Just memorized it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked right. at a lot. Of, I should say, I worked at a lot of stores that disappeared. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm now like known as like the retail killer. So I worked at Blockbuster Video. No more of those anymore. I worked at Kent Mill Music. Well, aside from the fact that that chain doesn't exist anymore, like there's no record stores really, but <laughs> not not around as much. Worked at Radio Shack for for like three years. Not many of those around anymore. If if they're not all closed up. Um, let's see, Time Warner Cable's closed. <laughs> they got taken over by another company. Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. So I'd like, I, I, would, I had a real real nice record of you know, what I considered all cool places. You know, I'd, I'd like, of course you want to work at a toy store. Of course you want to work at a video store. Why would you work anywhere else? You know, it was great because it was social, you know? And I think that's something that, as much as I love Netflix and, and Amazon Prime and Hulu and stuff, Going to Blockbuster was a social event, and it was a social interaction that happened. And so it wasn't it wasn't just about going to the movie, you know, going to run a movie. You were usually there because you were you were going to watch a movie with your friends. You were going to a birthday party, especially as a teenager in early college, just because you guys were getting together to watch something together. It had a, a sense of purpose. You weren't just doing it because you were bored, looking to fill the time. You, you were doing it because you were, you know, it was how you spent your time with your friends. You were building memories together. And whether that was checking out Clerks for the first time, or, or Pulp Fiction, or True Romance, or you know these, these are you know great movies that came out at that time, we gathered around TV screens to watch movies together, and we still do, but we don't have that process of obtaining the movie anymore. What it means to stand in line with your friends and and, and talk and see people come in and out, just have those social interactions that are are just gone from the process. I mean, everything happens on your phone now. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have the internet in the way that we do today. So your communication was more direct and, and you had to physically commit to going out to see a particular film, you know, it wasn't just going to the movie. You wanted to rent it. You needed to be there, stand in line and, you know, demonstrate your interest in it. How did you consume movies after having worked in a video store and did you continue to rent and how did you see oh, that yeah. evolution? I rented until you couldn't rent anymore. Meaning when the market changed and you started to have Redbox and on-demand services like Netflix is it you know and plus better cable service I think once once cable kind of took that leap you know coming out of the 90s into the early 2000s it, it was very different there just wasn't a need for video stores anymore and at that point it, you know I'd gone through college graduated got married relocated um, I, I was still going to the local video store and renting stuff but it wasn't you know again that social cultural hangout with friends thing wasn't there 
that was more about me passing time and relaxing than it was hanging out with my friends at that point. And because you can't, you're not in college and you can't watch 10 or 15 movies a week and, and do something productive full time. So uh, definitely having a, a real world job and, you know, whether it's paying rent or a mortgage or something later affects your ability to consume media. And I think that's one of the big shifts with on demand is that you don't have that that mobility of having to rent something and take it back and forth. We forget about the amount of time that it took to do that as well. You had to physically take your movie with you and go from point A to point B to return it, take the time to go in the store, stand in line, take it home, watch it, rewind it, take it back. We don't do that anymore. I mean, it just became more efficient. And with that efficiency, you know, we, we shed the retail model. So you guys had invested, you like you said, all this money in VHS tapes, had 20,000 VHS tapes. Did you ever switch over to DVD? Did you start stocking DVDs? Yeah, so I think, yeah, DVD came about 97, if I remember correctly. And we did. Uh, so we kept, yeah, so same thing. Uh, kept all the VHS, didn't sell any of it. The, oh, actually, the only thing my dad did sell was beta at one point, hmm. And I don't remember it because I think I was like, I just don't remember beta at all. Um, my mom said that they did have beta. And my dad just was like, nope, this is we can't have both formats and <laughs> got rid of beta early. You chose but, the right one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My dad, he was all about the money. <laughs> and yeah, so for DVDs, uh, I don't remember the first one we bought. Um, but by the time. So I think. Like when I left, because I didn't, uh, yeah, it was probably like 500 we had. I don't really remember, but we did get in pretty early. I remember, oh, we had Taxi Driver, but it was still in one of those CD jewel cases. Hmm. Like it was really weird. That yeah. was one of the first ones. Fargo was one of the first ones. But that was too, like once DVD hit, I and I really, like VHS, I'm really nostalgic for it, but the format is horrible. I hate pan and scan. It's just full frame looks like garbage half the time unless it's made, you know, like in the 40s. Um, so I, when DVD did come out, I was personally excited because, first of all, widescreen. And I'm sure you've heard this from other people about customers complaining about bars on their screen and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> So, yeah, so, but me being like a film lover, I'm like, oh yeah, DVD's where it's at. So, and even this is how, because I had, like, I would also order the movies for our, like, for our store, but I'd also, like, order movies for myself basically as presents. Um, because <laughs> I would, like, I ordered myself Vampire Lovers on DVD once uh, when it came out the first time. And then, too, and then anything with a good commentary, I'd be like, uh, but the funny thing is, too, like, for DVDs, because, I think we ended up, we didn't go through the wholesaler. We would just end up going to like Future Shop, which is like basically a Canadian Best Buy to buy the DVDs because they oh. seem to be cheaper than through the wholesaler, if I remember correctly. Oh, you know what? Also, too, I remembered we had a whole, so like basically like, you know, how 80s things were good with video. So by the late 90s, early 2000s, things were getting, you know, pretty, especially because we were in a small town. And by that time, too, like you'd have like the gas stations and convenience stores also renting videos. So there's competition, but it's all like new releases that they have. So unless somebody wanted a catalog title, you're basically, you're not going to get as many customers. Um, so because the movies, uh, the, the big movies in the, they were still cost a hundred dollars or more. Some of them we had to, at, at some points we're like, well, it's not, we're not making money on these things. Like we buy, we spend, we buy a movie for $120. It goes out twice. It's not a really good profit. Um, so what we started doing, uh, and I don't remember when, um, we would drive to the city, 
uh, go to the blockbusters and the Rogers videos and we would buy their previously viewed movies and bring them back, take all the stickers off and rent them out. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Like I honestly, I think that was such a good idea. Yeah. First of all, recycling. And it's it, it was really, I think, the only thing that kept us in float because and two, like I don't like chains. Like they're always the enemy to me growing up. Um, so it's funny now that Blockbuster has a Twitter account and stuff like that to me. But um, yeah, well, yeah. T- talk about that a little bit. So when Blockbuster started franchising, started becoming more prevalent, did they ever move into your area or like how was that viewed when you started seeing the big chains uh, show up? In our town, it was never an issue because, like, they're like I we never had a chain up until like recently in our town, and that ta- and and even that chain is Tim Hortons, which is a crazy coffee shop that's everywhere in Canada. Um, but we don't have chains really in our town. But I know in the city uh, where I live now, actually. But like, so yeah, like all those there were a couple of big chains. There was uh, Blockbuster, uh, Rogers Video, Movie Gallery and um, Jumbo Video were like the big four chains in Canada. And I know, like I know people that work there too, but they did, I, I do think they did put like little guys out of business because at one point there were like like a lot of mom and pop stores. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, I think my dad, because we were lucky that we were in a small town and then my dad kind of diversified a little bit with selling other stuff, but I could see like the, the fact that we, we lasted as long as we did really was because we like luckily didn't have a franchise because it, I don't think we could have survived it, truthfully. Mm-hmm. This story has a cinematic ending. I mean, this is a pretty dramatic situation. So what can you tell us about why in uh, 2004 the store was no longer renting tapes? Well, so I'm happy to say and also sad to say that I was the last person to ever have worked at Osuzana Sunshine. 2004 was the year of my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. And uh, for that, they had uh, purchased themselves a vacation trip to Las Vegas and um, as a celebration. And I, uh, at the time, was living actually in Nova Scotia. I worked up to this in the store till 2002 and then moved away for two years. So in 2004, my parents were like, hey, and this is also too, they still didn't have any employees. Uh, it was just them two working at that point. So um, they're like, hey, can you come home and work the store while we, you know, go, I think it was like a week or, I don't even think it was two weeks. I think it was only a week. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And I hadn't been home for a bit. So it was a nice time to, to come back. So my parents, I don't think they were supposed to leave for the trip until the following Monday. Um, but on I think it was yeah july it's either july 1st or june 30th was the last day i think yeah it was july 1st so it was, uh we closed at 11. um i remember the last like i was uh it was a pretty slow day like nothing really anything about it so 11 o'clock close up the shop go home probably 6 a.m in the morning we get a phone call and it's a security alarm um system and uh, so my dad's like, and we, we had a security alarm. I think we were broken into a couple of times. So we had the, uh, an alarm. And so my dad's like, oh, okay, somebody broke in or whatever. So he's like, he got stressed and he leaves. And um, and usually it's like, either it's a, it's a false alarm, because that happens too, or something happened. So he wasn't coming back for a while. And we're like, uh, 
my mom was still sleeping so I'm like but me I'm like I'm like basically just awake all the time uh, so I'm like oh it's taking a while so and because we live so close I just started I'm like okay I'm gonna go check because I think it was around it was light so it's probably about seven by then and so I, w I walked over and I could see smoke um like coming like because there's not much of a there's Bozich is really small so I see smoke don't really think anything of it but then I notice it's kind of coming from the direction our store is at and uh, so I like as soon as I turned the corner I could see fire trucks and I it's the our stores on fire and it's yeah it was crazy and thank God nobody was hurt my dad tried to go in and um, like bait like but this and two because the the fire when it comes in contact with that the the tapes it's like so toxic yeah yeah so he actually and I, well i shouldn't say like he like thank god no one was hurt like thank god no one was killed because actually my dad like because of he he breathed in some of that he actually developed copd from it later oh, on yeah. um so mm, not a great <laughs> so that's like the worst part of it but so basically yeah it the whole thing everything that we had was just destroyed and the reason it happened it sadly was arson um, because it, it was Canada Day so that's like our fourth of July and someone threw a firecracker in the, the night deposit slot and oh. and we didn't have a fire we did not have sprinklers if we had sprinklers it may have been savable, but we didn't have, like, it just was like one of those things, like, why didn't you have sprinklers? But, like, again, we lost everything. And at that time, it was devastating. But the, you know what? The town was so great. Like, they threw us a social. They I, they actually had it on a Friday the 13th. Uh, it was for, yeah, <laughs> Friday, July the 13th. And they made us uh, a t-shirt. And because my dad was named Mel, they said, it says Friday the 13th and it says one Mel of a party. And <laughs> it was just, it was so like, it, it just made your heart happy. Like, because it was all our customers coming together and we also didn't have any insurance. Like we had a little, but nowhere near enough to cover what we lost. Yeah. So it was truly devastating, but you know, like the, like, you, like at the end of the day, it's just stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's the memories and all the the nice stuff that I, I like I'm, and things like this. I'm I'm glad that you're doing this because I think um, video stores like because they don't exist anymore. People forget what they used to be like, and you want to remember the good experiences and not just like the blockbuster. Like oh, you know, you can't rent uh, X-rated movies at blockbuster, or, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah, the the personal feeling. Yeah, just like the history of that store. That's what when I hear it, that it hurts me as a collector because just like the twenty thousand tapes, like you've said, so many that would never ever be released on another format. Just the years spent, the care that your family had to put it all together, and then yeah, then just like you said, the memories, the history of everything that it meant to your town. I mean, there's so much there. And, uh, and so, but I mean, at the same time, it's so wonderful that you guys meant that much to the community that they wanted to celebrate you even in that difficult time. So that's uh, such a beautiful end if it had to end, right? You know, it's like it went out in a big way, but in a celebration of a sort. Yeah, exactly. And, and the funny thing, too, is because that was the time uh, to, around 2004 that, like, uh, video stores started permanently closing everywhere mm -hmm. because of Netflix and, and and things like that. So you know, 
to, you know, like one of the coping things that you go through is like, well, maybe it was a good thing. Like now we don't have to deal with like selling these things yeah. because also too, at that point, like my, like, because I wasn't working, it really was just my mom and dad working at that store. And my mom actually had another job, uh, at the nursing home on top of that. So it really was like getting hard for them toward the end anyway. So, but I mean, like, no, we never ever would have, and especially now, because I know how much those tapes would have been worth now. Like, oh yeah. my God, like that astral, like black embassy, or not astral, embassy uh, black clamshell case of Escape from New York. Like I did, that was our second tape. Like, oh, and I, wow. and there's, I do have a lot of nostalgia for some of it. Like I know, it, and it's a weird uh, thing also that I have, like, I can remember the catalog number of certain movies, like number <laughs> 2000 was Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Just, but like useless information, but yeah, it was definitely something. What do you miss most about working in a video store? Working in a, a rental store, I miss almost the same thing as being a customer in, in a, a video rental store is that you, you lose your sense of discovery a little bit with the stuff we have now. Yes, I know that Netflix has an algorithm to show you things you might like or, you know, here are the new things we are promoting today, but it's not the same as just taking your time in a leisurely fashion, going up and down the aisles. And if you're working there, we're talking hundreds of times and seeing things where the cover art just sticks out. And then it draws you in and you turn on the back and you read the description. You're like, huh, I think I'll give this a shot. You've never heard of it before. No one's talking about it. It's not in the news. It wasn't in your theater. But you find this thing that you come to know and love and then share with something else, which leads to another thing that I miss of working at a video rental store is I love being able to share your own personal tastes with customers. And I specifically remember creating a employee staff picks section that wasn't necessarily common within every blockbuster but that was something i wanted to do and so you know you could go and look at the shelf and you could see preston's picks and kind of get a sense of my sensibilities and what i liked and i like being able to turn on someone to a movie that i love that they had never heard about and make them a fan i i like being a customer a lot more than an employee of a store i think that watching the trends as i grew up and then when I got older, being on the other side of the counter, it changed things. Because I remember every video store would have things like a... Before they did trading cards and stuff like that, they had Pogs. So that was in every video store ever in Milwaukee. And they had to follow that to make their their ends meet once the bigger stores came in. I think a lot of the personality disappeared over the years, and that really makes me kind of sad that there isn't that experience anymore for people. I think that really colored a lot of my experience of of movies because I would have so much fun going. It would be more than just here's what you can rent. It's more of let's see what's new in this brand new candy rack because they would always have just insane amounts of candy at these stores and they would have whatever new trend would be popular with videos or something that's ancillary to the actual film. I am kind of nostalgic for that era. Um, I understand why things are so much better now. It's so much easier and less expensive to get a movie in general, either way, either to watch at home or, or anywhere else. But there's a level of discovery that comes from walking into the store and then finding out that the movie you wanted to rent was out. And so while you're there, you have to watch something. And so then you end up with like your second choice or third choice or fourth choice. And then you end up finding stuff that you wouldn't otherwise. 
and for that matter, even even during that time, I was I was still real interested in like directors and stars and trying to figure out like you know who's who was uh, coming up at the time. I think I'd seen the movie. Gosh, I saw the movie Swingers like a hundred times or whatever. You know, John Favreau <laughs> obviously was a uh, was somebody like I followed them. Like, okay, I'm, like every John Favreau movie I'm gonna see. John Favreau obviously huge now, but like you know, circa '97, he was just like the guy who made Swingers with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Um, Wes Anderson, another one. Rushmore came out. Rushmore was not a real popular rental, but I really loved that movie. And so Bottle Rocket, sitting there on VHS, like, at the store. Unlike Netflix or Amazon or other places, you know, sometimes you go looking for other movies by the same writer or director, and they're not all on Netflix. You know, not, not all the Christopher Nolans are on Netflix. Not all of the whatevers are on each individual service. You have to kind of go around, but... The stores tended to have everything. You know, it was really easy to go and say, like, okay, here's all the James Bond movies. You don't have to think about how all the James Bond movies are on like three different streaming services. They were all just there. So if you wanted to marathon it, the only limit was how many dollars did you have in your pocket. If you didn't grow up in the cable era and the video store era, which kind of go a little hand in hand, then you don't understand like the just one of the guys or, or you know the, uh, like in the summer if you don't have anywhere to go or if you're like me and you got asthma and allergies and crap and you want to go out and play but sometimes it sucks and you're inside like i remember like midnight madness is one of my all-time favorite movies like i love the movie midnight madness and it used to come on hbo in the early 80s and that was the type of movie that if i were a grown if i were like 17 right now and i went and watched midnight madness i might not make it through like 30 minutes maybe i would but growing up, it's like, oh, man, it's raining outside or I'm going to be stuck indoors. And then it's like, oh, Midnight Madness is coming on HBO. And if I didn't have it recorded, it would that would just be the greatest thing, of, you know, for the next hour and a half. Like, I'm really happy. Um, but it's different now because of phones and streaming and the way this media plays a role in people's lives. I, I don't think it's always nostalgia. You know, I don't I don't I think that I think that kind of undercuts it a little. I don't I don't sometimes it is, but I don't think it always is. Well, it's interesting how now we have everything everything at our fingertips. I mean, I, I know there's certain things that aren't available for streaming, and so it's always good to hang on to physical media. But I always wax nostalgically with people that miss going to video stores, even though everything is, is right you know, in front of me on a computer or a smart TV. There was just something about that, that going to find that certain video and hoping that it's in stock, and if it's not, you put your name down. There's, uh, I don't know, there was definitely uh, something that touched our hearts by doing stuff like that even though it's just you know I've, I've watched 200 movies this year alone and it was all because of you know physical media and streaming I miss going to video stores and uh, my kids unfortunately never really got to experience the joy of, of going to look for movies uh, at the video store so it's definitely missed but uh, who knows everything comes back again for the most part I miss browsing that's one thing I never liked about Netflix, and I've always had an issue with, is these services are so curated that it, it reminds me of looking back at the Blockbuster new release wall. You have maybe 40 different titles over and over again that don't really spark any interest or or excitement or mystery. I really miss being able to go to a video store that's well-stocked and see things that are I never would have otherwise. You know, I enjoyed working there and have a lot of obviously fond memories of it, and uh so much so, I'll share this with you, that uh, in, in my current job, I work in the music industry now, and we had an album coming out last year, and we were looking for something fun and unique because this album had been around, or this band had been around in the 90s, 
and we're releasing a new album. And I actually found the last remaining blockbuster uh, that is still operational and running and contacted them. And they were open to working with us and willing, but we just couldn't make the logistics work because their location is so far, so far outside of it, of where it would normally, you know, you can't easily get there. Uh, but it, it's kind of cool to know that there's one last blockbuster that's hanging on out there, you know, but it's still this relic of a simpler time and a simpler era. And I say that now with like this nostalgia because, I mean, again, look where we are compared to where we were. And it, you know, again, don't we wish we could go back on a Friday night with a couple of our friends and stand on a blockbuster? You know, even if we are buying stale cookie dough bite candy, uh, just to have that experience again. So, yeah, I, I'm glad I worked there. I'm happy that people are still interested in video store, like the experience. And I'm, I'm really happy that I, and I can't wait to listen to this too. I'm like, I'm, I want to hear what everyone else is saying as well. <laughs> That's a wrap on Season 1 of Rental Return. It's your producer here, Jason, and I really had a fun time mixing the show this season, providing a unique podcast listening experience. I want to first say thanks to Adam for the concept and conducting the interviews. His passion for the rental store era really pulled some fun responses from our video heroes. And speaking of which, a big thank you to Amanda, Chris, Christian, Gary, JP, Preston, and Zach for being our guinea pigs and sharing their experiences with us. Also, thanks to you, the listener, for your enthusiasm throughout the whole season. We'll be taking your feedback and reviews on Apple into Season 2 to improve our questionnaire so we get more answers from our heroes and try to lengthen up our episodes a bit. If you are interested in being interviewed for an upcoming season, message Adam on Twitter at HojuKulander or email me at jason at theretronetwork.com. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll meet you right back here for Season 2 of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.